All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. It's what Gandalf tells Frodo in one of my favorite quotes of The Lord of the Rings, books that I had read 13 times before there was enough technology in the world for people even considering making movies out of them. One day I woke up and I said to myself, today I'm a full-time bestseller writer. It was all a pretense. I had taken some frequent flyer points and booked a fantastic bed and breakfast at the edge of a national park in the Blue Mountains near Sydney. I was working full-time then, so this was over a long weekend. I borrowed my sister's car, took amazing cold foods with me, a handheld mini espresso coffee machine and my laptop, obviously. I'm one of those writers moved by caffeine, so good coffee more than once a day was essential. I traveled after work. Next day in the morning, I opened the balcony door, looked at the sun rising over the stunning blue mountains, and I sat down and I wrote. I scribbled for hours and hours and hours. That weekend, I did what countless authors before me had done, Famous and not famous, but you couldn't distinguish me from any other. I was in writing heaven. I took baths at night and ate the hot breakfast in the morning in my room, ate my good foods. I took short walks in the garden at the edge of the national park when I needed to think about the story, sort out a part of the plot, get inspiration for a scene. Whatever I was any other time of the week, of the month, of the year, during those days and hours, I was a professional writer. When you see the sense of time falling, you have to consider how to best employ your time. And when you want to create something, what is the quality of time you are going to give to this creativity? Are you just going to give it scraps, the time you wouldn't reserve to picking your nose? Or are you going to be smart and reserve quality time for it, thinking that good seeds yield good fruits? The quality of your creations will be directly proportional to the quality of time you give it. Bad seed, bad fruit, right? More than that, what is the attitude and the decisions, the commitment, the investments you're going to make to this endeavor? How much effort and energy are you willing to put into your creative space? Welcome to Creative Space Mastery Podcast, the show about how to establish a framework to get your creative practice going, bringing consistent creative productivity. I'm Tanya Crivellenti, an author who has been on the storytelling path for 20 years now, in joy and in chaos, and I'm able to be productive every week. I invite artists and all types of creators out there to hear about a practical process, metaphors and examples in order to achieve creative space mastery. From the last episodes, we have determined that for us, creative space is something you establish right now with whatever time you can give it, involving all activities relating to your art. It is recurring, contractual, it is an imperfect process, and it is a protected space for inspiration to come through the middle. In episode 1, we discussed setting a recurring time when you could create. In episode 2, you were to declare to yourself, at least, others if possible, what it is that you truly want, to the point that you know, bravely declaring your passion. 
Today, we will talk about doing what you will be doing in the time that you have set up and doing it seriously, professionally. My creative practice expanded at a time when my professional career reached a point when I was able to work four days a week and I established that Wednesdays were my writing days. I treated my writing days as seriously as my working days. I didn't wake up as early, usually one hour later, but I often would write or work on creative projects later into the evening because I was so engaged and excited with what I was doing. In the morning, I would always make the bed and get changed and then decide where inspiration was taking me, staying in or going out. I will go in depth into the various possibilities and creative ways you can use your time to spark inspiration in a later episode. The important message here is how seriously I took my writing day. I thought to myself from the beginning, what does a professional writer do? How would a full-time writer behave? I treated my storytelling with the utmost professionalism. I gave it focus and dedication, full attention whenever I was on the creation path. Over the years, I invested much as well, from dedicating more and more time to it to various courses I've done, attending lectures, festivals, reading, subscriptions, and equipment. I did a course on how to publish ebooks on Amazon and my Master of Creative Writing at UTS, which took me years of government debt to repay, even with my family's help. My equipment evolved with time. From a 5-kilo laptop to my dreamed-of air-thin laptop to my handwriting tablet. This allowed me to rediscover handwriting and I was reminded that when you handwrite and when you type, use different parts of the brain, assessing more of your creative powers. I use both now at different times. As I list in episode 1, I went from having 30 minutes a day to having 2 hours a week to having the time dedicated to the masters to establishing a full day of writing per week. I have also experienced having too much time on my hands when both I took a sabbatical year and recently doing an employment break which finished just last week. In these cases, protecting creativity meant having to put up structures to avoid seeing time drain without having anything being achieved. Going back to when I got the writing day established, I then set up my working area, my writing table, a good chair, a monitor, a keyboard. When I could, I got a standing desk, a better monitor, a better chair, and better keyboard. I got myself a writing software and took online courses that taught me how to use it well. All these over 17 years since I received my visa, as I could. It is said that you invest time, money, and organization into what you value most. I have music playlists that I set up for writing for specific books I'm writing. My apartment is an author's place. If someone didn't know me and entered my apartment, they would know a storyteller, a reader, a writer lived in it. It's decorated with books and an old typewriter that actually types. I have a shelf of mini books with quotes and several ones with inspirations for writers, inspirations for artists and many things that bring me joy, as people have been saying these days. I chose my apartment because the tree I see in front of the window is a muse. I have a coffee cup reminding me that amazing things will happen. Full of colorful pens and the canvas above my headboard is of an image that speaks to my soul. My fridge is full of post-its with quotes and messages and a whiteboard where I write a quote for the week to inspire me. 
That is how I start my writing days, choosing a quote for the day. I say I live in a small apartment with three square meters of water views, a high tide, and sand views at low tide, and about six square meters of harbor bridge views from a certain angle of it, if you are a giraffe, and poke your neck out of the window. My tiny balcony is big enough for the bird bath, where the lorry kids come to take baths, and they reverse into the water when they feel they aren't clean enough. This is why I worked so hard to get a visa, to swim into this inspiration for writing, to see the cockatoos congregate for drinking water at the sunset now and then. This is what I can afford. I am so deeply grateful for our have. Each breath I can take, I don't say this lightly, and especially where I live, this suburb in Sydney, which is an incredible city. Australia is the place I chose to live in, and I had to work incredibly hard for four years to get a permanent visa, which allowed me to have the life I have now. When I arrived, I didn't have time to write. I was here to create quality of life for writing, but it didn't happen overnight. First, I looked around and decided this was home. On the second day, I felt something inside saying I belonged here. You know how some people said they are born in the wrong body and desire to change genders? I love my family, my body, and have been born in Brazil, but I did not belong. I felt like an alien all my life. I read too much, was too organized, was too much of a rule follower. Nowadays, I'm a very Australian-Brazilian, and still a Brazilian-Australian, with my dancing cultural background and language patterns. Happy with both. Back then, in 2003, I had to find a way to get a visa that allowed me to stay, and although I had a communications degree and six years in marketing for industrial business, I couldn't find a job to get a visa or a visa to get a job. So I found another way, going through the pastry chef course and 900 hours of work experience at a large restaurant. When I received my permanent visa, I was able to stay and have jobs in administration, which gave me a good salary and quality of life for writing. So you see, sometimes the plan is quite long term. For me, it has been a very long journey to get to a place where I had time, equipment, resources and mental preparedness, where I could build my creative space mastery for my storytelling. Once I started having a day for writing every week, I noticed something else that was different from before, the quality time. Of course, I had always been given the best of what I had before, from where I was in each circumstances, but writing at night or on weekends after a full week of work was not the same as writing midweek, fresh with the same energy I had for work. I chose my writing day to be midweek. This way, it was easy for my brain to understand it was a working day, even if it was a working day for creativity. And it was good for my workplace as well, because it didn't leave projects with long interruptions, such as would happen if it was a Monday or Friday. But the best was the quality and the freshness of ideas, the productivity that started happening in my writing. It jumped to a new level. For you, your objective must be to set the best working space you can afford at the present moment and give it the best quality time you can. You can set the time for creating, check if the time you chose is the highest quality you can give, from where you are in your life right now. 
If you're a morning person, consider waking up earlier rather than working late. Make the smarter choices for you. Make the necessary adjustments and then get the best tools, systems, equipment, apparel that you can afford and are within reach for you. During my time without jobs, for example, I didn't spend much, I didn't travel anywhere, but I was always catching public transport and going to writing libraries, cafes, trains and ferries. You have to adapt to your circumstances. Talk to friends, go to meetups, courses, ask questions, find ways that work for you. Always pay attention that you don't overinvest, overspend, overstretch or go into debt. Nothing like that is necessary. If you create stress and anxiety, it will impair your creative abilities. But of course, it's a different story if you are creating a new company and you have business acumen, you're setting up a new loan and you're certain it's a smart financial investment and you're backed by wise mentors and have a sound plan. Otherwise, there is no need to sacrifice anything to start creating now. You get what I mean here. To start a creative space, you need nothing special. Only invest what is at your disposal, what is available. Financially, in terms of time, in terms of family commitments, so you can relax in the creation. I've worked four days a week for over four years to great productivity. Right now, I have just started a new contract full-time job. As I said in previous episodes, circumstances change all the time. The beauty of being more mature and gaining experience with mastering my creative space is that protecting it is in my subconscious now. First, I'm much more apt to navigate work efficiently, not to let its pressures get to me outside of work hours. Second, being a presential job, I'm using again my daily ferry and train rides to write my podcast scripts. I'm writing every morning, sometimes at lunchtime too. Some evenings I go dancing after work and I can sit and work on my text before the dancing starts. Because I'm tired in the evenings, I reserve more low-key tasks for that time, such as reviewing pieces rather than writing fresh work. Using your time wisely is one of the most illuminating lessons your time on earth keeps bringing you. You must focus on what is important for you and give it your energy and time and dedication. Invest what you can, what you have available, and if it's 20 minutes per week, give it 20 minutes of quality and total dedication. That will be 17 hours and a half per year of total quality creative time. A brilliant, transformative idea can come to you in an instant, but it can take a whole year of 20 minutes to appear. Remember, you don't have to have everything perfect. Writers can start creating stories with nothing, with just ideas in their head. And pen and pages do just fine. People can tell stories orally. Everything else is just bonus. You can see plenty of street artists out there. Dancers can dance barefoot, no lights, no lycra, as a group of people over here in Sydney do it. There's a group of children I follow on Instagram in Uganda. And I spent hours watching them. Check out Marvin underscore Uganda on Insta. You will see what I mean. Just the imagination, joy, bodies, technique, camaraderie, being children, 
straight onto the bare land, dancing away. No polished floors, ballet shoes, bar, mirrors, no perfect background. They are flawless as a group in every single video they post. It is a lesson to show us how it is possible to create with very little but our minds, bodies, and the light within. You can start from wherever you are with whatever you have, even in your head with your imagination, and treat it seriously with diligence according to your objectives. This is very important. There is no need to go beyond any limits. Now you must set up your own rules for your creative process. Think and research how people who have done what you want to do behave and get some inspiration. Read some biographies or audiobooks or movies or YouTube videos, tip-top, instead. See what would work for you and what can be adapted to your current circumstances and conditions. The dancing children I mentioned are a great example that you don't need to have everything. No audiences have everything to create art. You don't need to have the best equipment. Just start with time and be as dedicated and professional as you can. Take it seriously during the time while you are at the activity, while it lasts. One of my favorite poems about love, I would say it's Brazil's most famous one, is the Sonnet of Fidelity from Vinicius de Moraes, and it has a phrase that says about love. Que não seja mortal, posto que a chama, mas que seja infinito enquanto dure. The translation is, be not immortal since it's flame, but be infinite while it lasts. And that is what I mean about the creative passion. Pour your infinite passion while it lasts each time. You don't need to be a professional creator. You just need to behave as one for the limited moment when you have proposed and commit yourself to be one. An infinite flame of passion and dedication for that brief instant in your life. Each recurring time, though, consistently, that's the secret. And this is it. You have set up the time to create and you have told yourself, maybe others about it. And now you commit yourself and your professionalism to the process. Thank you for listening to Creative Space Mastery Podcast. You will find all about this discussion at creativespacemastery.com and hope to catch you at my next episode. If you like it, give the show some stars, write a review and share it with someone who could enjoy it. See you next time. Ciao!